Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. Um, Evan, don't ever believe Brad when he talks about uh, how tired he is from parenting. Why? I watched Hank and Mika the other night. Oh, <laughs> dead simple, dude. This parenting thing is so easy. I sat on the couch, watched a hockey game, ate some of his poutine, had a can of zero sugar iced tea, left. Boom. Nothing. Just gave him a couple knives to go play with. and <laughs> they, I didn't even see him. Oh, perfect. It's easy. <laughs> He's Ryan, been- where are the kids? <laughs> <laughs> it's always easier when you don't have to deal with them. Oh my god! I heard like I heard them at one point. Hank said, "Help, Ryan! Help, Hi, Ryan! I really need your help." No, Shut okay. up! Stay in the closet. <laughs> yeah. No, I they they were dead simple. They just like stay in the rooms. That was the easiest babysitting job of my life. I thought, oh wow, that was. Very nice of Brad and Crystal to set it up because I know it can't possibly be this easy. <laughs> it was funny too because it was the weirdest race against time before you got there too. Because obviously, like, I'm like, yeah, I'll just tell him to come like last, last minute, so like I don't have to waste any of his time. But I wanted to make sure Hank, at the very least, was asleep before you got there. Right. So I'm like, okay, he's getting here at eight thirty, and like at like ten after eight, Hank's still like doing backflips on his bed. I'm like, no, 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 you little shit. So I spent those ten minutes like. Do you know how hard it is to put effort in to something to keep someone calm? Like, it, it's the most backwards thing in the world. I'm like, no, Hank. Like, I literally laid with him for 20 minutes. Anytime he tried to move, it was just kind of like, nope, rub your back. Don't move. Soothing don't move. aggressively. <laughs> he fell asleep like 30 seconds before you walked in the door. I'm like, oh, thank God. Uh, I did wake both the kids up and I taught them the fine art of taking one screw out of a piece of furniture a day. And I gave them all a bunch of different little screw tips. I got them a kit, so... Weird, I did the same thing. I also gave him a key to your house. I welcomed this unto myself, didn't I? (laughs) (laughs) The last point here, the drawing that you did of the duck on the fridge. (laughs) The doke. The doke. (laughs) There's a drawing on the fridge of what's supposed to be a duck, but it's spelled D-O-K-E, and it does not look like a duck. And Brad, I'm concerned. We need to get you checked out. That is not a good drawing, my friend. How is it spelled? D-O-K-E. Doke. Yeah. It's a doke. Yeah. <laughs> it's a dope. It's not too far off the way Brad spells. So, <laughs> hey man, I was bad at a lot of things in school, but I won a lot of spelling contests. Well, they didn't have to check your capitalization <laughs> <laughs> or punctuation. If it's just the word, no grammar or syntax, I'm golden. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, can you tell this show has been running since before Brad had either of his kids? Yes. Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast, folks. Uh, this is the this is the kind of show opening that you get when we've been running for over seven and a half years. Um, here to talk to you about all things Red Wings, NHL playoffs, and the world of hockey. I am one of your hosts, Ryan Hanna. And I'm a dope. <laughs> I'm Evan. (laughs) On this episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast will be the third and final installment of our Red Wings season in review series, where we take a look back at the 2021-2022 NHL season for the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, We finished the forwards up over a couple episodes, which were split up um, conveniently by some, you know, pretty big news and content. We had Elliot Friedman on recently and uh, Jeff Blasha was was fired or let go. So that was obviously something we had to address. So today will be defense and goalies. Uh, we'll actually be talking about the depth signings that happened and as well as some movement of prospects around Detroit system, out of Detroit system. We'll be taking a look at the playoffs, uh, the drama in there, and then uh, we'll see what else we get to. 
before that, uh, I do want to mention that this episode of the Winged Wheel podcast, uh, as always, is uh, in support of the Jamie Daniels Foundation, which is an initiative that we're extremely, extremely proud to support. Um, we started a Wings Money on the Board campaign before the start of last season in conjunction with our or in partnership with our good friend Prashant Iyer. And through that, by making pledges remotely related to the Red Wings in any way over the course of the season, you have helped us raise, and with Winged Wheel Podcast Nights of the LCA, you've helped us raise $29,000 for the Jamie Daniels Foundation in just one season. And we're not done yet. Uh, the, the Calder Trophy is to be awarded in mid to late June. And once that happens, I think some last-minute pledges are triggered, and let's see if we can hit that 30K stretch goal. So thank you all very much. Um, Wings money on the board. It will run again next season. We're very, very excited. And be sure to check out jamiedanielsfoundation.org. Speaking of Prashant Iyer, uh, part two of the If I Were Steve Eisenman series is up on the wingedwheelpodcast.com blog. There will be a link in the episode of or in the description of this episode. This one covers coaches galore. Essentially, every one of the top candidates that you can think of uh, is likely to be mentioned in there. He talks about the European coaches. He talks about uh, coaches in the AHL and junior systems. He talks about uh, previous NHL coaches. Yes, Barry Trotz. Yes, Sergei Fedorov. Uh, yes, Ricard Gronberg, Cam Abbott. They're all outlined in there. The amount of insight, the the look into systems, the look into uh, impacts on players in terms of analytics, in terms of you know the quote-unquote eye test comprehensive is a word <laughs> prashant was laughing messaging us <laughs> he's like this keeps getting longer <laughs> <laughs> so uh please go check that out it is a fantastic primer for maybe what to expect as eisman looks for the next red wings head coach okay uh red wings defense terrible sins lidstrom left is the primer for every time we do these season reviews of this position but this is the first year where we have a glimmer of hope actually it's not a glimmer of hope it is like a pillar of fire beaming up from the ground up like that is how brightly Moritz Sider has shined for the Red Wings in his rookie season relative to his peers relative to expectations relative to his draft position relative to every other rookie in the NHL it has been we are in the business of tempering expectations because this has been a long arduous rebuild we tempered a lot of expectations and Every one of you who who shot for the stars when you were talking about what Moritz Sider could be, even that wasn't enough to compare to the season he had. What do you make of Sider's season and what we have uh, to look forward to in him in coming years? He's good. Yeah, that's it. That's it. <laughs> Thanks for tuning into this episode. <laughs> okay, fine. He's a real good. Yeah, Moritz Sider had the kind of impact that we would have been over the moon about, I'd say, at age 23, 24 for him. I don't even think that's like an exaggeration. He is without a doubt the Red Wings, obviously the Red Wings' best defenseman. And he is firmly in the conversation, if not maybe clear to some people, as the Red Wings' best player right now, depending on who you ask and, and what you're looking for. But the season he had from the get-go was just, I think everyone's jaw was progressively dropping more and more. Yeah, it's again, we we beat this drum all year, but it's worth repeating. There was no area of the game he was bad in. He excelled at everything. Defensive zone, he was their best defenseman and he did it well. Breakouts, 
He was their best defenseman at it, and he did it well. Transitions. He was their best defenseman, and he did it well. Offensive zone, puck movement, cycle, shot, whatever. Pick pick any aspect of the game of hockey as a defenseman, and Mo Sider was the Red Wings' best defenseman at it, even physicality. He's a unicorn in the sense that in that sense that there's no real weakness to his game. He didn't have a perfect season, obviously. Nobody does. And no one on the Red Wings does. Yeah. Um, there was times where he knew how much skill he had, tried to do too much, and it bit him in the ass. And that happens, and that's fine. I'd rather – most of his mistakes were a result of that. Not he got – he was drowning. He was out of position. He was out of his comfort zone. He was trying to do something he couldn't do. He can do everything. So for him, it's just about, as he ages, getting better at picking his spots for certain things. Like the one that always jumps to my mind was that um, Spinnerama behind the back pass across Toronto's offensive blue line. And that led to like, yeah, you can make that play, but that wasn't the time to do it. And, you know, he did that exact same play multiple times that year in like different contexts and it worked. That wasn't the time. And that's really the only flaw he had in his game. There was a lot of times where the other team would score a goal and you'd see he was way out of position, but then you backtrack like 10 seconds and it's because he was covering for someone else who was out of position. And, you know, it's hard to pinpoint, um, you know, why the walls are melting, why the water's boiling, why the carpet's peeling when the whole house is on fire. Right. So, you know, some of them could have been his fault, some of them not. But either way, for a 20-year-old defenseman to come into the NHL, very quickly and very firmly establish himself as this team's number one defenseman, if not best player, you know, it's between him and Larkin, is phenomenal. Obviously, the results haven't come out yet, but I think it's going to be a Calder be, Trophy. Be a call, result in a Calder Trophy for him. Maybe the odd, like, fifth place Norris vote. I doubt it, but you never know. Someone might just want to give him some recognition because um, who was it? Acting the Fuleman had the best tweet. He's like, there is some credence to um, Michael Bunting not winning the Calder because he's playing with two of the best players in the world, um, whereas Moritz Sider's playing with a defense crew that implies he sinned heavily in a previous life. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that he, basically sums up Mo Sider's season. Yeah, Mo Sider in a previous life golf solo and didn't let groups play through. Is that, I don't know, actually golf etiquette. I said that so confidently. I think is it's it, the inverse, ain't it? Yeah. My bad. Um, yeah, so it shows what I know. <laughs> I, I shot a 70 on nine the other day. So you qualified it with the very measured. Here's Here are the errors just to show that we're not saying Moritz Sider is a perfect player. He's not the best defenseman in the league right now. He's not, you know, prime Nick Lidstrom. We're not saying anything like that. So I'm going to thank you for, for laying that groundwork. That releases me to, you know, just speak leaps and bounds about uh, call him Lidstrom and say he's the best defenseman in the NHL. Yeah. What's Rowan's tagline? German Lidstrom. Yeah. Moritz Sider has come in and shown the maturity, the hockey sense, the know-how in the defensive game, the kind of offensive output that we didn't even really know would translate. Initially, we didn't know it was part of this game, part of his game. And when we saw it overseas, we didn't know it would, it would translate into the NHL. And he showed it after five, 10 games. He, Not even that long. He he took a little while to ramp up. What didn't take long before he was moving a lockstep with Raymond in terms of best rookie in the NHL, and then just excelled past everyone else in his in the, his defensive game. He uses his size and his reach, his long stick, 
and his skating, which is just so smooth for a guy of his size, to oftentimes stop plays before they start. Watch Maurice Sider's defensive highlight reel, or, or even just watch him in a game starting next season. Watch how many plays he stops at the Red Wings blue line. The other team is trying to move through the neutral zone, and either if they try to make any pass of any length, he is at the blue line anticipating with the kind of hockey sense that defensemen often lack until two or three seasons in. He he does it with the confidence that defensemen typically lack until two or three seasons in. Defensemen don't come in as Sider does. This is a unicorn. This is more, the Red Wings were more confident than anyone else. and They took him six overall and even they weren't expecting this. And anyone in the Red Wings management system would have said, yeah, we expected the world to Sider, but not this. The way he uses skating to work the blue line was something that I didn't know he would be able to do like that. Is he Kale McCarr? No. Is he fantastic in terms of the other defensemen on the Red Wings and defensemen of his size? Yeah. And that has translated into offensive output on the power play. He makes an actual impact on the power play. He makes an actual impact when the Red Wings can get possession in the in the zone. Look at power play time for the Red Wings. Sider's involved with every one of them that he's not gassed or injured for. He played all 82 games and his decision-making, was he perfect? No, but so often on the blue line, you'd see him and they would swarm him. Like the other team tried to like collapse on him the same way they did on Raymond, but Sider was always able to make these like minute adjustments with how he carried the puck, how he protected the puck, pass it through their sticks, through through their legs, make a pass that you would say, that's high risk, that's low risk. Uh, There's no one there. And it somehow always went through. Every facet of the game showed either brilliance or, you know, future brilliance. There's nothing that I'm concerned about with Maurice Sider. And I said this, I think, last episode. If he develops only half as much as his peers of the same age over the coming years, he'll be a, he'll still be a Norris Trophy candidate in a few years' time. So, I think Maurice Sider's greatest strength is actually his confidence. That's a really good point. He, he for first five games he skates up to Victor Hedman and steals the puck away from him <laughs> after the whistle. Who in their right mind? Rookies are already pooping their pants most of the time and starstruck with who they're out on the ice with. But I never got that sense at all from Moritz Sider. He just showed up, knew, trusted in his abilities, and has hit the ground running like. He went after Sidney Crosby and like most people would just watch, have their jaw right, on floor. the ice watching this guy skate circles around you where he's in, engaging in the physicality against Crosby and not afraid to to get involved. Like I think his confidence has really been what has unlocked his, his season that he's had. I love, I love how ready he is to jump into it. After years of watching Zidane Chara just like bully people with his size and he's not as you know he's not a freak like Zidane Chara, but you just like to see a big guy who's not afraid to beat up on players who are smaller that is genuinely a good thing and think cider has the strength of a 20 year old imagine when he has the strength of a 25 year old a 30 year old like it will translate to him being a force on the ice in more ways than one by the eye test by analytics however you want to measure his impact far and away the red wings best defenseman it is scary to think he's going to get better it's scary to think that his defensive game is going to become more well-rounded it's scary to think he's going to get stronger his skating is going to improve 
the only thing that is actually like a risk for the Red Wings is what kind of dollar value is he going to come in at when you inevitably sign his extension, which you should do as soon as humanly possible because he is not going to, his stock isn't going, going to get lower. Yeah. You sign him for eight years at whatever he asks for. That's, that's pretty much how those negotiations should go. It's, you don't know the the kind of contracts that him and Raymond are going to demand. Um, that a lot of that depends on agents. A lot of that depends on families. We don't know how these guys are. By all rights, they love being in Detroit. They're fantastic team players. You know, Larkin and Bertuzzi and, and Gagne, whoever you perceive as leaders in the room, they have all said these. both of these rookies, um, they fit the Red Wings system. They fit the Red Wings way, TM. Like This is the character thing is not an issue at all. It's funny because we actually used to get upset when the Red Wings used to name character as the first attribute for why they drafted a player. You're like, that's all well and good, but can they play hockey real well? This is this is what you want. You want someone who can play hockey real well and has the character. Yeah, and uh, you know, hopefully it gives us uh, many, many more years of the Mojo Show. That's right. Yeah, he is also a star. Yeah, that, that man was built to be in front of the camera, whether that's uh, acting, doing a show, or playing hockey. Good for him. That's Maurice Sider, likely Calder winner. We'll be talking about him plenty because of the aforementioned uh, likely called her winning. That was fun. That was fun. That part's over now. Well, Edvinson might take up the helm next year. No, I'm talking about for this episode and the oh, the, the rest of the defense. The, the fun topics. Let's do um, Philip Hronik because I think this is an interesting one that this discussion has, I think, been put to the side for a little while in Red Wings fandom and in you know Red Wings media because. No one wants to sell Philip Ronick short, but I think this past season has confirmed that the lofty goals that we had after like the initial onset of Philip Ronick, the defenseman, they were way too lofty. I'm not saying he's outright a bad player. Like he does have good impacts on the ice, but it is hard to watch him in certain facets of his game almost have regressed and certain facets of his game where you're, you know, three years ago or, or however long you were like, I, if he just improves on this piece of his game, then he'll be unstoppable. And that just hasn't moved at all at best. He's not a first pairing defenseman. And the way I see it is you can use him as a second pairing guy, but it can't be with the amount of minutes that he had this season. This was a rough one to, to watch for Philip Peronik, and I think it's we need to call a spade a spade here and understand that um, the bar was set way, way too high, way too early by us, by the team, by everyone. Well, going back to how this Red Wings defense has been awful since Lidstrom, Lidstrom retired, Peronik was the least awful of them, and he wasn't that old. So by default, he was thrust into the spotlight. I'm not going to bother going back and, and re-watching those breakout years for Hronik to see, was he actually good or were we just like getting ahead of ourselves because it had been so long since we seen a half-decent defensive prospect. But he's not bad. No, it's not bad. He's inconsistent. And when I say inconsistent, I don't mean game to game. I mean shift to shift. You never, truly never know what you're getting from him when he steps on the ice. He is a career near half a point per game defenseman, and that held up this year. That is legitimately good. That is above league average. His ice time was reduced this year, and it still was there. He can move the puck. 
he's aggressive, which is something this team lacks overall, and I'm I'm a fan of that. He makes a lot of mistakes. Again, more because he's trying to do too much, not the alternative, which again is the better of the two problems to have. His defensive awareness is poor. His skating isn't great. His ability to bomb into empty nets is elite. (laughs) His accuracy on shots from within the blue line, though, is horrendous. His decision-making on when to shoot from the point is horrendous. But when he does make the right decision to try and make a tough cross-ice pass, he can do it. And he did it a lot. It's just he picked his spots overall very poorly. So for Heronic, I think what he needs is a coach that can come in and it sounds overly simplistic. Teach him how to play hockey. When to use your skills and when to not. When to be aggressive, when to not. Because my overall impression of Heronic right now is he has no idea. He he makes some baffling decisions, but when he makes the right decisions, it looks good because he is good because he can do it. Brendan Smith. <laughs> yeah. yeah he, he's almost Brendan Smith to the extreme, but his talent level is higher than Brendan Smith's ever was. He can do more things on the ice than Brendan Smith um, did. So that's why I'm still at least a little optimistic about Hronik's future because I think with a really good coach – they can he can turn Heronic into a legit top four defenseman. I'm not saying he's gonna be sadder. I'm not saying he's gonna be a top pair guy. I'm not saying he's ever gonna be the guy we hoped he would be. But if he is, if you have a number two uh a defenseman on your second pair who can run your second power play, put up over a half a point per game and, and not be a train wreck at five and five, that's a really damn good second pairing defenseman. He's just gotta iron out the the many, many wrinkles in his game. The shots are funny to me. Like that that's the one where I'm like what is happening with this defenseman? I he was he absolutely perfect from that that left like top of the circle spot? No. I mean that's a tough angle shot, you know, shooting away from your body often moving the other direction. It's kind of like hitting. Oh, he, he's flat out bad at that. Well, the first when he was scoring all those goals, initially when he first broke onto the scene, yeah. he, like he would hit it more often than players would. Yeah, he was hitting the net at least. And he would convert on some of them. So you didn't really mind that he was taking a trillion chances from the top of that left circle because you're like, it's it's kind of like hitting opposite like a, a home run like on the opposite side than you typically do. My sports analogies today are god-awful, my God. Um, it's not easy and you don't see a lot of it, but a player who can do it effectively at least more than average, you can appreciate it and they have the license to shoot. It is now at the point where you have to hope that Heronic misses by a mile because if he's not missing by a mile, he's shooting it off his shins and it's going for a break the other way. You're certain it's not going to hit the net. And that to me is like, like you said, Brad, that's, that's shot selection. That is positioning. That is anticipation. That's, that's offensive hockey IQ. And those are things that we've seen him do well before. So if this is a failure in coaching, I hope whoever's brought in can help on that front, on the defensive game, just generally all the little things that seem to have dropped off if it's, you know, surrounding talent, I hope that the Red Wings who are coming in 
can help build up around him. We talk a lot about Sider. You know, he tries to do too much, covers for his teammates, is probably the only defenseman on the ice at the time who can create anything. So we say, oh, okay, that that's our excuse for Sider's mistakes. I think the same could be afforded to Hronik, but the, the clock is running on making the most of him. You almost think, and this is best case scenario, that he's like, he's been ignored in terms of his development. And I'm not saying that that's the actual case, but just to see him plateau like this is super disheartening so an outside fan coming in and saying why are these guys you know so pessimistic about someone who's been a half point game per uh, half point per game player a lot of teams would love that it's just that you think you'd get way more and his actual impacts on the ice like you mentioned brad it varies wildly and not really in a good way yeah I think when the Red Wings are good, Philip Romanik will be a second power play guy if he's still on the team, and he will probably just be a guy on the in the in the in the decor. I don't think he will be a massive contributor at five on five hockey. So, okay, saying that because I don't think that's an unfair statement to make. Is there not an opportunity here then, considering Ronick's age and considering yes. some have, <laughs> considering some ha- may have not the professional scouting or the analysis of him that teams closer to Detroit would have there's a sell high option here right in terms of trades it really depends on the direction Eisman moves with this team but if you can get significant futures for Hronik do you do it because that's a lot of that's a lot of defensive minutes that you're giving up that's a lot of pressure on Edvinson that's a lot of pressure on any other defenseman coming in that's a lot of pressure on Sider and, and Lindstrom and it's not an easy thing to say. Like, I'm not saying go trade Ronick and have no plan, but is that on the table? Oh, they have a plan. Stephen Camper. <laughs> That's why they acquired another right-handed defenseman, Ryan. Didn't you know he's as good as gone? Uh, no. Um, I'll start by saying if the sell high option is an option. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably preferred, but I don't think there's a sell high option. Peter Shirelli is no longer employed in the NHL uh, as a general manager, right? which means I don't think that uh, big return for Philip Ronick is out there. I think most teams are going to be competent enough to know that, hey, there, there might be something here, but we're not paying a premium for it. You say that, but I don't know. I think there's yeah, always- Pierre Dorian still a GM. There's a Ken Holland somewhere. Hey, about to go to the conference finals, buddy. Whoa, now. There are a lot of, and it doesn't even need to be like a, a a stupid person, like a stupid move. It could just be the market, like the market we had for defensemen this trade deadline. We know for a fact, like we, we have information that the Red Wings were working on a possible Ronick deal, but anyone who wanted to move anything for him was, wasn't willing to move futures. They wanted to make a hockey trade, which isn't in the Red Wings interest right now. Um, still. I think a hot market and, and scarce resources in terms of right-handed defensemen on the block. Look at the way Florida loaded up and how much they paid for Sherratt. I don't see it as impossible. Like you said, it's not likely. Teams are better and better at professional scouting every year, and there's more and more tape on Ronick every year. But I don't know. I, I, I don't want to say it's impossible. It's not impossible. I just said not likely. Yeah, that's fair. This Ronick's not really talked about as one of the players who needs to have a good season under whoever the new coach is, but you know, Philip Zadina is the hallmark for that. Philip Ronick fits right in there. Just the Phillips really go in there and like they need to take this opportunity to be better. It's a lot on the coach too, but the Red Wings really need those guys to thrive. Let's talk about the, uh, the defenseman that was brought in perceivably as a filler 
before we found out that Steve Eisman has been watching him for years and years and years. Jake Wallman, originally from St. Louis, came over in the Nick Letty trade. It's been kind of a, you know, not to overstate it, but a revelation. Oh, that's so depressing. <laughs> that was a real groan, folks. He was actually about to say something, and then that he processed that emotionally. I still remember like 10 minutes into the first period of his First game, I think I sent out a sarcastic tweet. Oh, Jake Maltman might be the best left-handed defenseman on this team. <laughs> ha, 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 ha. Okay, so Jake Wallman ended up being the best left-handed defenseman on this team. I and will not hand, I will not take the stall slander. He did absolutely not. That's rock star slander, Brad. You know better. <laughs> but Wallman was good. He wasn't anything special. He had a bomb for a shot. He could skate. Better than I thought, better than advertised. He wasn't a train wreck defensively, um, and he was a capable puck mover. I wouldn't say any aspect of his game is special or even very above average, with the exception of maybe his shot. He's, um, I don't know, Evan kind of used it to describe Heronic like in, in a funny derogatory way, but Woman's a guy. But he could be a guy on a cup team. Like he's a he's a guy you could see playing a role on the Red Wings when they're good and for many years. Because he doesn't, you know, collapse under pressure. He can play his role effectively. Again, it's not going to be a big role when the Red Wings are good, but you know, with every other Red Wings defenseman on this team, other than most Sider. You go, what's wrong with this defenseman? And you don't know whether to list all the reasons alphabetically or categorically. With Wallman, you don't have that. And that's a huge positive. Yeah, there's any anything on that chart is in the positive. That's yes. He's immediately at the top half. Yeah, if there's a straight line and it's just, you know, tears going either way. Most of his are just ever so slightly in the positive, but they're almost all in the positive, right? He's just so, incremental gain. Yeah, which is We'll fun. take it. <laughs> And you need guys like that because A, they you need depth players when you're good. And B, those depth players are generally pretty cheap. Yeah. So if you can have a guy like Wallman who you don't have to pay much and he can play a role on a good team and he wasn't even the main piece in the trade, it's a huge win. He moves the puck up the ice real well. He skates real well. And he has an absolute cannon for a shot. Like – he shoots, and you can see him dent the goalie's pads. And unlike Hronik, it hits the goalie, at least, who is between the posts. So you're either getting a rebound or there was a goal where it eked through. Like, he literally shot through a goalie who did everything right, but the puck just went through him. Is he good defensively? No. Uh, he's all right. Like, it's not – He's not. It's not, not a, a world beater. It's yeah. not a strength, I would say. It's, it's never good when we're going through our defensemen. They're like – yeah, their defensive game not that great. <laughs> uh, the best defenseman, the best defensive defenseman the Red Wings have uh, has played eighty two professional games yeah. in the NHL. But Wallman's, like you said, Brad Wallman has that unique ability to do something impactful on the ice. Where even when the Red Wings start to get really good, you can see him on the third pair and on the second power play unit. Maybe he's moving the puck up up the ice. That puck on his stick is going to the good things are going to happen with it. And okay, is he going to be a world beater defensively? No, but if he's moving and transporting the puck reliably up the ice, great a great way to play defense is to be playing offense, right? So that's something that the Red Wings have lacked as well. If you think about the season Nick Letty had before he got traded, 
Was he good? No, it's probably one of the worst seasons in Nick Letty's career in a long, long time. But was he good for the Red Wings? Yes, because he was a reliable puck mover up the ice and through the neutral zone. And, and that's something where there was nothing to compare to his peers because no one else was doing it. If your name wasn't Maurice Sider, you were not doing it. The Red Wings just needed like an NHL average defenseman who did nothing special, but was just like kind of a steady Eddie. And it's kind of it's kind of mind blowing that the Red Wings got the defensive version of that in Wallman, like on defense. They got an offensive version, I think lesser impact than Wallman, but still usable in Sunquist. And they still got a second round pick for Nicoletti. Like it's not going to turn into a first overall pick. It wasn't a first round pick they got back, but that was a very subtle masterclass trade, I think, by Eiserman. That was really good work. Yeah, if that second round pick hits to be someone like a Jake Wallman, if you get three usable NHL players out of a rental, well, that's phenomenal. Albert Johansson was the third of the Red Wings' three second round picks in his year. The in third 2019, yeah. Yeah, we were looking at that earlier. Just don't look at the first two. So if you can consider, well, jury's out on Master Simonian. Fair enough. To me, so interesting to put it. Let's just focus on Johansson. Right. The Red Wings get another Johansson with that pick. And they got Wallman for the next however many years. Because even if you're a Red Wings, you know, I want to tank. I want Bedard. I want Mijkov. I want Fantilli. The Red Wings need to tank, tank, tank. You still need guys who can play NHL hockey. Yeah, Wallman's only, what, 26? He's young. Yeah. So you can get many years out of him. And who knows how he'll, you know, who knows what his his ceiling is? Because similar to Robbie Fabry, he came up through a St. Louis team that was thriving and had a lot of players. Not very high, I'll tell you that much. What do you mean, his ceiling? Yes. Oh, okay. Where do you cap him out at? I have no idea, but it's not high. Oh well. Wait a. If it was, they wouldn't trade him. Wait a damper that. Well, well, when you have Krug, Perunovic, you know, so on and so forth ahead of him, he's not going to be a first pairing guy. No, but you, somebody's well, going to be in the trenches. Uh, yeah, well, maybe, for, maybe, <laughs> maybe for the Red Wings, but that's not very real. Anyhow, um, Jake Wallman is <laughs> a, a guy that is usable, and it's not like this is a below replacement level NHL player, and that is a win for the Red Wings. He's not a hold on to your butt. No, you know what? You know what makes me excited? The fact that we might only be a few years away from not having these type of conversations. Oh, about God. Jake Wallman. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on to Mark Stahl. We joke. I will not hear any slander. <laughs> okay. Shut up. I'll shut up. Evan, Mark Stahl is yours. Oh, we're done. That's it. I will not hear any slander. <laughs> we're done. <laughs> we, we joke a lot about Mark Stahl, the rock star, Mark Stahl, the beauty, Mark Stahl, the world beater. But let's take a look at Mark Stahl's progression since coming over from New York. The Red, the New York Rangers paid the Red Wings a second round draft pick to take on Mark Stahl as a cap dump. Mark Stahl has taken on a leadership role within this team. He has not only, you know, mentored the young kids. He's, he's been a mentor to the siders. He's been a mentor to whoever he's been playing with. He's not only, I think, gotten better over time with the Red Wings. He has actually gotten he's been like he's been playing to the point where I think I kind of want this guy back. The first the first time he was brought back, I was like, I understand, but it's not We got nobody. One of our defensemen has half a leg. You need to you need to bring in guys who have played in the NHL and is he your favorite? No, but they're you're not gonna go out and spend a ton for a guy when you're not even a playoff team. So I get why the Red Wings brought him back, some consistency, some veteran leadership. But I think he was downright 
relative to what you could have expected from him, good this year. I think he got better as his time has progressed as a Red Wing. He first came in, I was like, this guy stinks. Like, he is terrible. He has barely any business being in the NHL. But I think they really found a role for him, being a mentor and, you know, just trying to be a bit of a steady Eddie once again. And I think once he kind of knew that role and he didn't need to be try and be one of the guys that they go to, I think it has worked out so much better. And you can just tell that the team loves him being on the team because they made those ridiculous shirts that we've got over there. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, like, you can just tell that they really enjoy Mark Stahl, the person, and, and sort of one of the leaders on the team. And I think there's still room for guys like that in the NHL, even if they're not, you know, top four like maybe they're hanging on to the end of their career like i think there's still room for guys like him and i think mark Stahl served a purpose this season i i that's exactly the right way to put it he served a purpose and he served it well relative to the nhl defenseman across the league was he good no but relative to what the red wings needed him to do and honestly at times on the ice like objectively speaking was he good yeah he made mistakes Sometimes he was a liability. Sometimes teams exposed him. But he also made a real... You could say that about 75% of this team. Of the entire team. That's exactly right. Yeah. There are a lot of jokes made about, oh, leadership and intangibles and, you know, uh, development for young players and those kind of mentors. But those are real substantial things. And if you're going to have a a franchise that's losing, if you're going to have a franchise that's going to be in the gutter for as long as the Red Wings have been, you need to find a way to make sure the spirit and the development of these young guys isn't broken. And the leadership of guys like Mark Stahl, like Sam Gagne, that's how you do it. You need guys who can stop the sinking. Yeah. Like when the losing streaks happen and the team's playing like garbage – Young guys, they'll just crumple in for the most part, and it, the 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 pain won't stop. But when you bring in the older guys, they kind of steady everything up, and you need that as a tanking team. It sounds like the most unscientific, just stupid, aimless way to talk about hockey. But it genuinely does make it like that. Steadying hand does make an impact, and. You know, is is Moritz Sider Moritz Sider is Mark Stahl? Always mix those two up. Is Mark Stahl going to be a Norris Trophy winner again in his career? No, but do I have just the utmost respect and appreciation for what he's done for the Red Wings for the past couple of years and last season, especially? Yeah, yeah. And he could have just been like, "I'm not going to the Red Wings." Hundred percent. Like these guys stink. I want nothing to do with this. I'll take my check and I'll see you later. Got it. He could have gone to Florida. He could have gone to Toronto. He could have gone to. You know, this I will not stand for this Joe Thornton slander. <laughs> well, let's, it's not winning in cup, right? Not yet. <laughs> so yeah, good on stall. I can for for where he is in his career. I can appreciate what he did for the Red Wings. Okay, so it's going to get a little bit easier. I think we're probably going to talk about one or two more guys. Um, Gustav Lindstrom, I think, is an interesting player to to talk about. Decided they're pairing defensemen, especially on the right side behind Sider and Ronick. But I think the start to his year was a continuation to the end of the previous season where he looked really good and he was looking impactful and you saw parts of his game where you're like, yeah, he's, he's, he's solid defensively and he's doing the kinds of things you like to see out there. But I think that kind of tapered off 
halfway he, he kind of went the way of the team when the team started to play poorly around december january you saw more holes in lindstrom's game he had more rough games than he maybe would have had uh, at the start of the year so it was an interesting one from lindstrom He's nothing special. He never has been, and this is who he is. <laughs> I'm so I've been on this for years because just Lind- call the guy and move on. <laughs> Remember everything I said about Jake Wallman? Dial it back about fifteen percent and move those ticks ever so slightly the other direction, and that's Gustav Lindstrom to this point. He's not horrible, and he's never been horrible, but he's never been great. And even in his progression, he's never had those moments when he was a prospect where you're like, oh, this guy's going to be a stud. He's a guy. He's a slightly below average guy. Does he owe owe you money? (laughs) No, it's just, okay. You want to know my honest opinion on this? You want to know what's happening right now? And I'm going to say it and it's going to make more sense to you than you're going to be willing to admit. Okay. Are you ready? I hate when he does this. Yeah, me too. Yeah. He's usually right. Go ahead. Are you ready? Yeah. Alexei Marchenko. I knew you were gonna say that. <laughs> we're we're back, Brad. Are, was he objectively bad? No. Do we? Was have- he very replaceable? Obviously, I think he's worse than Alexei Marchenko. Or no, sorry, I think Alexei Marchenko is worse than Gustav Lindstrom. But Probably I get fair. what you're saying. Yeah. You're- if 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 you took the name off all the player if you took all the names off every player <laughs> on the ice except for his i still would barely notice him yeah thank you thank you uh, that's all i'm saying is i this guy has a reputation on social media for being good which sounds harsh to say because he's not but there are definitely defensemen on this team and multiple of them who are definitely worse than he is he is a guy i just don't see the upside like I see in a Wallman. He's, He's the grocery stick for me. And yeah. I, because anyone who's better than him, I know that they are good. Anyone worse than him, I know that they should not be there. Exactly. Yeah. He's he's almost the ideal NHL seventh defenseman. Hopefully we don't have to play him, but if we do, he's gonna step in the lineup and for the most part not shit his pants. I think Gustav okay, first of all, I understand where you're coming from, and here's where the disconnect is. I don't I'm not coming at this from the same angle as people who think like Gustav Lindstrom is a second pairing defenseman. Like none of that. I'm talking about Gustav Lindstrom as a number six guy, which is what he's decidedly been for the Red Wings when they've been healthy enough to say that, which is a horrifying statement. But I think he's a 23-year-old defenseman who has taken small, incremental, not earth-shattering steps to become a reasonable choice for the Red Wings as a everyday number six guy in their lineup. Would I love a version of the Red Wings where we don't have to talk about the everyday number six guy in their lineup and he can be a passing note in the episode? You have no idea how much I yearn it's been for that seven day. Seven years. <laughs> I was talking to our friend Ryan uh, from the Rangers world, and we were talking about, you know, how exciting it is covering the Rangers right now and how well it's going for them over there. Blue shirts breakaway and and you know how a winning team makes a world of difference in terms of the mentality and the excitement and the 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 just the audience for everything that they do. And all I can think of was, I honestly can't wait. It hurts my heart. So yes, I get what you're saying. You you basically said what I said, but with more positive spin, because you said he's an acceptable number six defenseman on the Detroit Red Wings. Okay, so here's a a question, because you said Jake Wallman has a role in this team, if all goes well, as the team gets better. Does Gustav Lindstrom, if he continues... If he can find progression in his like defensive game, 
can he be an everyday number six guy on a better Red Wings team than we see now? If he gets 20% better than he is now to put an arbitrary number on it. That's a big ask. That's about where he needs. Right now, where he's at? Uh, no chance. Absolutely not. He would not be anywhere near a contending team. So, yeah, 15 to 20% improvement. At least bring something to the game because he's not a great skater. He doesn't have a good shot. He's not an exceptional puck mover. Like, what What does he bring to the table? Because even if you look at the good teams, they're quote-unquote bad defensemen. They're either huge, they can skate, or they can move the puck. Lindstrom's not particularly good or even above average at any of those things. But again, the positive with Gustav Lindstrom is he's not particularly horrible at any of those things. That makes it more difficult to improve in the NHL. If you don't have one thing that you can go to that can separate you from other people on your team or other people who would take your job, it's going to be very difficult for him to remain in the NHL. I can appreciate that. And I don't think anything that either of you said are wrong. He's definitely a guy who we could laugh about this conversation in two years. We're saying, why are we still talking about him or why were we talking about him? But I, I, I just, and maybe this is just the version of me that roots for underdogs being this team being in the gutter for so long. a high second round pick. (laughs) (laughs) Forgot about that. Um, This team being in the gutter for so long, you can appreciate the non-stellar development paths that are still development paths. Anyhow, Gustav Lindstrom, I don't think he's ever going to be an offensive stalwart. I don't think there's ever going to be much to say for his offensive game. His path to remaining on this team needs to be having the kind of defensive impacts that he had, I think, to start this past season. And it needs to be more consistent. That consistency went away. And like you said, if you're not going to stand out in a lot of areas, you just need to be rock solid. And that kind of went away, which was concerning for me. The last player, and this is very fast before we talk about the goalies, Jordan Osterley. Jordan Osterley is Darren Helm, Luke Lindenning on defense, not in terms of what he did in the game, his play style, but in that they were asked to play way higher than they had any business being in the lineup. And they did their damnedest and you can't be mad at him for it. Like, there came a point where Danny DeKaiser was just untenable. Did we even talk about Danny DeKaiser? No, because the, the whole bother? thing is untenable. It, it, there's no point in, in punching down, honestly, I think, for DeKaiser. We all know the story there. He, he, his body fell apart. He just wasn't able to keep up. Yeah, thanks for your service, Danny. We wish you luck in the future. He's going to be with the Red Wings in a development role or coaching or whatever it might be. And by all rights, that seems to be a good decision because he's smart. He's really well liked. He's integrated in the system. He's he's integrated in the community. Fantastic. That's still a win for the Red Wings because it still helps improve their chances at winning. Hopefully, that's a net positive for the Red Wings. Considering if you have him off the ice but still contributing his hockey brain, great. I think once DeKaiser went, once they waived him, and, and once he wasn't really in the lineup before he came back towards the end of the year, Osterley took the spot of we need someone to play on Sider's left side, who is as le- le- like as much uh, not an anchor as possible to word it poorly. Was he good? No. Was he good enough to be playing with Sider? No. Is he a first pairing defenseman even on the worst pa- on the worst team in the NHL? No. He knows that. Jeff Blashill knew that. Steve Eisman knows that. We knew that. Everyone knew that. He still did his best. And you know what? It's not easy to eat all those minutes when you weren't in that role before. It's not easy to do it when you're drowning. Moritz Sider was allowed the opportunity to do what he did on the ice. No, he didn't have a world-class left-handed defenseman on his on his left side, but 
I just, I, I can't find it in me to beat up on a guy who was asked to play well, well, well out of position. So I can appreciate Jordan Osterley. Also scored a couple of timely goals, like massive goals for the Red Wings. Yeah, every goal he scored was either an OT winner or a tying goal late in the game. Like, I think he only scored two, but still. <laughs> and you're the most right you could be. Yeah. I don't know. I, I That's my thing on Osterley. I, I think he's much like Stahl, like he was asked to come in and do a job then was asked to do way more and he did it the best he could. He's the only guy who left to you as a contract for next season. Doesn't horrify me. I just hope that he doesn't have to play as much for his sake and for the Red Wings sake and more insider's sake, but we all know he likely will. Yeah. He'll, Pending. Probably, he'll probably have to. Unless Ian Cole comes over. Maybe Edvinson and Johansson will make the team. <laughs> Gotta hope, right? That's the only way Osterley doesn't eat up like 20 minutes a game again yeah honestly okay the goalies alex nadelkovich wow uh, certainly not boring no he is not i think the only thing that we didn't see from him this season was a goal we saw everything else we Did saw you have a goalie fight he uh, got very very close very he close tried. oh the revs broke it up didn't yes they? he was there he was yeah. ready um yeah he the highest highs and some really low lows. The thing that makes me come out of this feeling overall really positive about Nadelkovic is the way he recovered his game towards the end of the season when he had zero help from his team. He was in a rut there for a while. Started off hot where to the point where we were thinking, we don't think he's going to be top three, but it wouldn't be crazy for the top three Calder Trophy candidates to be all Red Wings. He fell off the other, like Zegris, Bunting, etc. rose up in those rankings, but um, he was stellar and you just saw, you saw the kind of play where you're like, I can't believe Carolina let him go. He was a rookie goalie f- who for half the season looked like a legit number one goalie. I think that alone cancels out the absolute horror show that was uh, February and March. Um, Cause there wasn't a lot of redeeming factors in that time window. Right. But again, it was, you know, uh, a rookie goalie playing his first season. We know the jokes about him being nominated for the caller with Carolina the year before, but I think he only played like 24 games that year. So he had never seen a workload like this um, behind that defense. Um, could he have played better? Yeah. Am I that rattled that it went that poorly for that long of a stretch? Not really. He he established and proved that the talent he had in Carolina still existed in Detroit. So it's not a talent or a skill issue with Nadelkovich. It's now just a consistency issue, which is a problem for goalies. And it's one he has to fix if he wants to stick around for when the Red Wings are good. But it's easier to fix the inconsistency than it is to make talent appear out of nowhere. So it was a positive. I'm not too worried about uh, Nadelkovich like... I think with a better coach coming in, they'll plan the workload a lot better than what Jeff Blaschel did for him and Tom uh, and Grice, um, and the double pulls and all that stuff like that. That's going to make a veteran goalie question what the hell's going on. Let alone a rookie goalie who's playing way outside his workload limits at this point in his career. So I'm not worried about him at all. I think. You know, with a better strategy for the goaltending, I think it'll all work itself out. 
I think he's a great testament to the kind of, like you said, Evan, the kind of emotional management you need with a goalie. Goalies are, are lunatics, all of them. Insane. You have to be. You're to stop that puck consistently and like want to do it and celebrate when it hits you. You got to be just off your rocker, but you can extract the most out of your goalies by putting them in positions to succeed. That happens in a few different ways. Like you said, Evan, don't enough with the double pulls. There are just some basic things that you can do in terms of workload, what games you're going in, when you give them a chance to come back, giving them a good matchup, et cetera, et cetera. I, I can only hope there is only one way to go. And that's up from here, from what we saw last season with, with Blashill. In terms of the other thing that you can do to support, he came from Carolina, who has one of the most talented defensive cores in the league, where every goalie seems to go there and thrive, and any goalie who leaves there is left a little jarred. Going from Carolina to the Detroit Red Wings in terms of defensive core is like- Welcome to hell. <laughs> it is like you dropped from the heavens above from cloud nine- To hell. To hell. Like it is- if Moritz Sider is not on the ice, which mercifully he was for a lot of the game, nearly half sometimes, you you have essentially nothing to by way of defensive support. So, yeah, he he went through the ringer and probably one of the most jarring se- changes of scenery. And if we didn't see the highs that we did, and he he put together some consistent stretches, it wasn't like shut out and then eleven straight ten goal games or something. Like he he played well. He stole a significant number of wins for the Red Wings this year. A hundred percent. That's what makes me agree with both both of you that there's a lot to look forward to, and I think the Red Wings do have someone that they can lean on. I will say my summary for Grice is that I think the clock has run out on him, and in, in terms of being a useful backup, I think he did better in the season prior. For all the low lows that we talked about for Nedeljkovic, I think Grice's were just as bad, if not worse, and he did not have the highs that Nedeljkovic did. Very few times did we see Grice do what he did the season previous after Bernie got hurt. So I think one another thing they need to do for Nedeljkovic is A, a goalie to compete, and B, a goalie to be in the net for when Nedeljkovic needs some time away from being the starter. Because it is going to be exceptionally difficult to be a, a you know a 55 to 65 game starting goalie for these red wings until they're better they're gonna need a backup goalie who can play a lot of minutes yeah a lot of games we'll see if helberg is brought in we'll see who they bring in free agency maybe you know they're they're taking on that mrazic contract that is going to be like the wildest tandem of goals <laughs> Natalkovich and mrazic there won't be a dull day for sure no so and all that is to basically hold until Coast is ready to come to North or to North America to uh, either Grand Rapids and then eventually Detroit, right? Yeah, you got to think Coast is in uh, Grand Rapids next year. You'd hope so. We'll see. With the playoffs he's having. To start, at least, yeah. Any other thoughts on the goaltending? God bless their souls for being goaltenders on the Detroit Red Wings. Yeah, no kidding. Whenever you see them, just give them a hug. Okay. Uh, we are going to, before we chat about some other news, let you know that this uh, episode of the Winged Wheel podcast is proudly brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook, a sponsor that gives hockey fans what we really need, even more excitement in the game. There's so many reasons why FanDuel is America's number one sportsbook. They're simple to use with great odds on different betting markets, giving you more action every game day. Plus, they're tons of fun with unique bet types like same game parlay and exclusive promos on the biggest events. And when you win, you get your winnings back safely in as little as 24 hours. Now listen to this. FanDuel is letting you place your first bet risk-free up to $1,000. Just place a bet on any game and FanDuel will refund you up to $1,000 back in site credit if you don't win that first bet. 
If you win, you keep the cash. If you lose, you get up to $1,000 back in site credit. Download the, FanDuel, download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started with that risk-free bet and be sure to sign up with promo code WWP so they know the Winged Wheel podcast sent you. That's FanDuel Sportsbook promo code WWP. You must be 21 and older and present in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, West Virginia, Indiana, Colorado, Iowa, Tennessee, Virginia, or Michigan. First online real money wager only. Site credit is non-withdrawable and expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See sportsbook.fanduel.com for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, or Virginia, Tennessee Redline 1-800-889-9789, 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia, or call 1-800-270-7117 in Michigan. Okay. So the Red Wings news on hand here is are the uh, signings of Taro Hirose and Stephen Kampfer. I cannot wait till the Red Wings play the Leafs and Stephen Kampfer and David Kampfer in the corner battling for a puck. Isn't there another Kampfer in the league as well? Wow. Yeah, I think there is too. I think he's on um, Colorado. Are you thinking of Kampfer? That's where you're coming from. Yeah, yeah. JT Comfer. Oh my God! Yes, yeah, yeah, but spelt completely differently. Yeah, there's Camfer with an A, with a K A, and Comfer with a C O. <laughs> Poor Mick. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Mick. Anyhow, uh, let's start with with uh, Camfer brought in basically as depth here like he is you don't know that he's not going to be the jordan osterley of the future he shoots right he's been a journeyman he used to play for michigan um he's not exactly young he's what is he 33 he'll be 34 at the start of next season it's not old that's not old did he win a cup with boston in 2011 yes yeah which was his wasn't that their scary team his rookie year where they had like um zidane ochara um thornton um no 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 they didn't yeah. win with thornton didn't they no thornton doesn't have a cup no sean thornton ryan holy shit ryan buddy i know it's late <laughs> <laughs> they traded him when he was a rookie and then yeah how do you guys put up with me <laughs> you're not usually this wrong <laughs> no <laughs> this is amazing i'm concerned i'm having a stroke <laughs> What do you smell right now? Burnt toast like I do every day. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, uh, you someone else talk about this guy. I'm very clearly a liability right now. So remember everything I said about Gustav Lindstrom? If that gets worse, here's Kampfer. If that gets better, here's our number seven defenseman. That's, you know, it's, it's an overly simplistic answer, but that's probably what it is. And it there is an outside chance this is a little bit of insurance. Having another right-handed shooting defenseman, if for whatever reason the Red Wings are down one right-handed shooting defenseman by the time game one rolls around for reasons. Right. Um, yeah, he he's, you know, for all the things we say about Mark Stahl, guys who have been there, done that, this is the light version of that. He's been around a long time. He's seen a lot of things. Even if it was his rookie year, he has won a cup. He's not anything special. I don't expect him to be a train wreck. He's a guy. He's uh, so he went from Michigan, uh, went into he was drafted by uh, the Ducks, ended up in the Boston system, started in 2010, 2011 with Boston, had a little stint with Minnesota, played with Florida, a bunch of AHL teams as well, the Rangers, the Bruins again, and then had a season in the KHL as well. So they have him on a two-way deal, which doesn't affect like waivers or anything, but just means that if he's in the AHL, he gets a lower salary. So stands to reason that they expect him to be in the A more so. So depth signing, but like you said, 
a lot can happen. And depending on the, the direction Steve Eisenman moves with the team this offseason, he might be called on to play a stint in the NHL. So we'll see. I wouldn't be surprised if we didn't see him at all. And I wouldn't be surprised if we saw him for 45 games, you know? Exactly. Taro Hirose, Taco's back. Taco time. Yeah. It's it's good to see that the Hirose's like these are not needle moving deals. Nothing has changed with Hirose. This isn't like a renewal to say, okay, now he's going to make the lineup. I suspect we have what we have in, in Hirose. Um, but he's a very important player for the Grand Rapids Griffins. And I appreciate him when he gets a call up to Detroit. Would I like to see him get an extended look? Yeah, I think there's more to be said for how he can contribute, especially on the power play. But I think him at the NHL level, he just can't hang in terms of the pace and the physicality of the game. Like the space, the time and space that you get at the NHL level is completely different than the than the A and anywhere else. So I think that's why he's not a regular NHLer. The way I evaluate it is, would they be able to sustain themselves in a Colorado or Avalanche series? If the answer is no, then it probably isn't going to work out. Another two-way deal. Well, I got a bad news for you about 75% of the Red Wings. <laughs> that's my point. Here we are. Here we are. Oh, I can't wait till we're the Rangers at the very least. The Yeah, so it's a two-way deal. When he's in the NHL, his salary is $1.7 million. When he's in the A, it's half that. So good on him for making a, a, a little bit better change for when he's in the NHL. And congratulations to the Grand Rapids Griffins. They get a continuation of Taco. It was very popular there. Uh, some news on, well, Philip Larson has been released from the Allsvenskan. And uh, according to uh, Access Hockey Michigan, um, he's done with his ELC. So that's... Once promising, I think for like a flash in the pan as a goalie prospect, that seems to have now fizzled out. Well, he was uh, dynamite in the USHL, dynamite in the NCAA, tore his groin, and to be frank, has been bad ever since. Yeah, it's just gone kind of downhill from there. Sucks, but hey, it happens. Anti-Tuomisto. He was the first of the second round picks in 2019, which was the first draft that Eisman came in, but... Tyler Wright was still around from the Holland years. Um, defenseman who was drafted over ahead of some people like Niels Hoaglander, uh, Kotchikov on Carolina was the very next pick. Uh, he has uh, He's leaving and going to Liga on a two-year deal, which is an interesting move after he, like he's basically choosing to forego his uh, junior and senior NCAA seasons to play pro hockey in Finland. It is a it is an interesting move, I'd say. I'm a little I'm not without concern in terms of his development path and his path to the AHL, but I think this just means the best case scenario is that it's a longer one. We're not looking at a Johansson timeline here. I don't know the exact reasons why he's leaving, but it's not a good sign. I don't take this as a positive development. He was he just won a national title with Denver. A very, very strong program for someone who you would think would have NHL aspirations. That seems like a pretty good development path, especially considering he played junior in Finland for an extra year, which a lot of people questioned because he was way too dominant for that league at that age to maintain his NCAA eligibility. And then to come over for only two years and leave despite being in a really, really good program. Could he be getting bad advice? Possibly. It's, yeah, it's possible. 
I don't even think it's it's bad advice. Like he could be getting more significant time than people thought or than he thought he might be getting in in Denver. Like there's a lot that goes into play here. I'm not so ready to say that he's certainly like this is certainly a bad sign. I think it's interesting and I think it could be of concern, but you know, he's talking about the amount of ice time and the role he'll have on those teams. And we are seeing more and more attention to the European leagues and the strengthening of those programs, especially in partnership with NHL teams. Am I trying to take the most optimistic view of this I, I, that I can? Yeah. Transparently, yes. I'm trying to find the silver linings and the positives here. He's not dead in the water. He's not the same situation as Phil Larson that we just talked about, but he's certainly not Albert Johansson, who is on his way over to the AHL and maybe even the NHL, depending on the camp that he has. He's gonna need to do really 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 well over there though yeah this is he's got to go over and dominate otherwise i don't get it it's been interesting because tomisto was picked and a lot of people were like who and then a lot of scouts and a lot of um and hokan anderson a lot of people talked about tomisto being one of the more underappreciated picks who could turn out to be really really good and then the initial part of his progression i thought was fantastic was really great for for in Detroit's prospect system, but hasn't really continued on that path. So we'll see. Last note here uh, before we jump over to the playoffs, uh, Simon Edmondson has been named the winner of the Elite Prospects Award given to the best junior U twenty player in the SHL. Notable previous winners: Maurice Sider. So we can expect Simon Edmondson to then win the Calder if the pattern is to persist. Good on him. Has any team ever won back-to-back Calders? I'm sorry, I'm throwing that like totally. Oh, I'm positive it's happened, and I'm not going to look it up. So, okay, <laughs> let us know in the comments below if Ryan is completely right or completely wrong based on this episode. It's a toss-up. Send us an email. Yeah, no kidding. Okay, uh, the playoffs. What the the Battle of Alberta is baffling. I actually don't know how either fan base. Well. Edmonton less so now, but I don't know how either either fan base handles it. My heart would have popped by now. I absolutely would have. So I'm going to phrase something to you. We're gonna we're gonna do some time traveling. We're going back to just before the playoffs start. I'm going to tell you, Edmonton's goaltending is going to be terrible. Their defense is going to be slightly better than advertised, but still bad. They're one win away from the conference finals. What? How do you fill in that blank? Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, Evander Kane. Are scoring at record paces. <laughs> I knew they would steal games. I knew based on Connor McDavid finding a new level is an insane thing to be talking about at this point in his career. But we've seen it. We saw it in the first round. Leon Dreisaitl has a broken angle. Or not broken angle. High ankle sprain that Calgary is intentionally like attacking like they are zeroing in on his ankle which and this is why teams just say upper lower body injury um and then you know the news got out and then it wasn't like you could figure out what was wrong with him just by watching him but calgary's going after it now leon drysettle i believe has in now an nhl record for um consecutive three-point games Connor mcdavid is nearing nhl records for you know consecutive multi-point games evander kane is just taking advantage of every opportunity that those two best in the world players give him and the Calgary flames seem to not have an answer. I, I, I don't understand. They like, I don't want to say they don't have an answer. Like they tied that game yesterday. They got it to three, three Mike Smith allowed them to tie that game yesterday. That was much of an answer. That was a, 
That was a gift given to them. And you run those games, you know, you run them through the simulator again, and maybe you don't get 3-1 Oilers at the point of this recording, but Connor McDavid and, you know, Dreisaitl and Kane, I don't want to discredit their efforts, but Connor McDavid might single-handedly will this team to the conference finals. And if they do this to Calgary, who's to say they couldn't do it against Colorado, who's currently up 3-0 on St. Louis right now? Sounds about right. Sorry, in the game, they're up 3-1 in the series. Going into the game last night, Connor McDavid had more points in these playoffs than Sidney Crosby had in the entire playoffs when he won the Conn Smythe. And then he added two assists to that last night. Evander Kane has scored more goals in the first 11 games of a playoff than anybody not named Johan Franzen in the last 20-something years. And he's tied with Franzen. If everybody remembers that series in 08 against Colorado, oh, that so those well. playoffs. Dreisaitl, like I said, he's on that assist pace. Zach Hyman has a billion goals. And nobody else on the Edmonton Oilers has done anything of consequence. And they are one win away from the conference finals. Now, this is the Edmonton Oilers. There is no guarantee they close this series off. No. Because um, one could argue that beyond the players – we've mentioned the best player for the Edmonton Oilers in this series has been Jacob Markstrom who's been bad I I don't understand it I really don't get it I was expecting so much more from Markstrom and he could turn he could turn up but it's not like this is Vili Husso who's had a great regular season but just didn't have the playoff run like Markstrom has looked good at points in these playoffs so I don't know what's happening so the top five scores in these playoffs all have played 11 games Zibanejad going in reverse order. Zibanejad, 14 points. Evander Kane, 15 points. Nikita Kucherov, 15 points. Leon Dreisaitl, 22. Connor McDavid, 25. 25 points. But we knew that is what they had to do if they had any chance of advancing. But we didn't th- – I don't think anybody actually thought they'd do it. I I could think of Connor McDavid persisting through the clutch and grab and the zeroing in on him and maybe even amping up his game. I didn't think he'd be able to find a new tier a new, a genuinely new level that no NHL player has been on in modern history. I'd say the way he's playing right now. This is the best hockey I've watched in my life, full stop. No, I'm not scaling to eras or era adjusted or, you know, if Gretzky had that. No, no, like I'm just talking in terms of raw output, what we're seeing on the ice. I have never seen an NHL player, a hockey player anywhere play this good ever, period. This is like we are watching, we are watching prime LeBron. We are watching prime whatever. Ronaldo. He has changed. He, he has changed expectations in terms of what the best player on the ice can do. I wouldn't be surprised if I, I go the rest of my life without seeing a player play this well. But we all know that that's not how it's going to shake out. In 20 years, we'll get another Connor McDavid who's going to raise the level even more. Anyhow. There was a former player who's like, if I invented a time machine today and dropped Connor McDavid as he is into the 1980s, he scores 500 points. Mm -hmm. Literally. Yeah. Well, uh, let's talk about the St. Louis, Colorado series. And I'm going to open this one up. Um, Obviously, there was that controversial um, crash into the net wherein Nazem Kadri collided with a St. Louis defender reaching for a puck. Went into Bennington, who was the St. Louis Blues' only hope of beating the Avalanche, it seemed, because he was a very hot goalie at the time. Took him out of the series, maybe the playoffs. Looks like the St. Louis Blues might be out of the playoffs tonight if this score holds. St. Louis, you know, what? depending on what you think of the, the collision aside, 
you can understand why they're angry. That's that. Nazem Kadri, as a uh, Brown professional hockey player, has faced an onslaught of the most disgusting, heinous, but unfortunately consistent racist attacks online. And all I can say to that is I'm not surprised. This isn't new. This isn't something that has only happened for the first time now. This is persistent. It is targeted. Plain and simple, it is gross. It has no place in the game. And when you hear people of a different ethnic group than what the rest of their team might be, or you hear people who are uh, visible minorities talk about how difficult it is, this is what they're talking about. I'm happy and sad that this has a focus because it's the playoffs. It's the biggest, you know, there's a there's a hyper focus on that series specifically. All the media attention is, is there and that's why it blew up. But this isn't the only time. Those aren't the only messages that he's gotten or his family's gotten or any other player uh, of color. It happens all the time. It happens all the time. It's, yeah, it's it's disheartening. And, and I have to say, like, hockey doesn't matter. Like when you see that, you're like, wow, hockey really doesn't matter right now, huh? Like it just doesn't. I'm not. When you go out and drop a hat trick on him next game in revenge. Oh it helps. God! Yeah, it helps. I am not like a. I love Nazem Kadri's game and everything he does is is fantastic. I think he's a bonehead who's made a lot of stupid decisions on the ice. Who's he has all the talent and he squandered a lot of it. You know, for better like, despite all of the good things that he did in Toronto, he essentially ran himself out of town with idiotic decisions in the playoffs. And I still have to say, watching him drop a hat trick was so sad as a justice boner oh god it was so good <laughs> it was so good and uh, i don't cheer for the success of the colorado avalanche and any other time i would have been like hell yeah i hope nazim kadri gets a hat trick this game i loved it i loved it so much yeah it's just series has been good series has been good i think um i think with bennington still in play with how hot he was and Huso, for all the great things he did in the regular season, just hasn't been there in the playoffs. It might have been different had that... (laughs) Worst possible hand to be dealt. Oh, God. Really, Huso. Yeah. I mean, it might give whoever signs him, St. Louis or anyone else, a cheaper contract now. But, you know, if this score... It's currently 3-0 in in Game 5. If that holds, then that's it for the Blues. And I have to say, you wish Bennington would have stayed healthy because I think that series would have been more interesting. Avalanche versus whoever comes out of that Western Conference Battle of Alberta is going to be I wouldn't know who to pick. We are so very close to a McKinnon versus McDavid series. Oh. I'm taking Colorado over everybody. Yeah, yeah, probably in like four. Let's be honest. They're still the Oilers if that happens. Had Florida lost by last episode? No. Yeah, Florida got swept. Yep. Oh yeah, because the last thing we talked about how they don't do anything, whereas Sam Coast is out there blocking shots and going back to the locker room like four times is broken we don't need to talk about how tampa bay is is the consummate championship winning team in the nhl again but i do want to talk a little bit about andre vasilevsky the crazy that might be one of the craziest stats in hockey history what he's got going right now 10 and 0 in his last uh 10 potentially series clinching games he's won all of them has shutouts in six of his last seven he is the best goalie on the planet 100 no questions asked 100 percent and we're watching the NHL playoffs where 
people say random and people say clutch and people say rose to the occasion. He is the most, he is. He doesn't rise to the occasion. This is who he is. <laughs> he is clutch. He is the most ice cold clutch player in the NHL right now. And until Connor McDavid wins, single-handedly wins the cup for the Edmonton Oilers, I don't know if anyone else comes close to him. Yeah, last seven elimination games, a 995 save percentage, one goal against and six shutouts. That's it was on like 210 shots or something like that. And the Leafs, I think, were the only team to yeah. score the goal. <laughs> Morgan Riley is the only guy to score on Andre Vasilevsky. In Which was a great shot, by the way, by Riley. Yeah. It's absolutely insane. And the thing with, that makes it crazy, too, at least in context of the Florida series, it's not like the argument against Chris Osgood when he was like getting 18 shots behind those Red Wings All-Star teams. Florida almost dropped a 50 spot on them in game four, and he stopped every single one of them. Ta- Florida ran Tampa's show that game and lost one nothing. We talk about a hot goalie being able to bring an unlikely team to the cup finals or even win them the cup. And we talk about, you know, Tampa's tired. I think Tampa is tired, but Andre Vasilevsky very clearly isn't. Andre Vasilevsky might single-handedly win them the third straight cup, which is almost unheard of in the modern era. Well, it is unheard of. In it the is literally era. unheard yeah. of. Well, Tampa Bay is getting contributions from the guys they've picked up this year. The Brandon Hagel's been decent. Uh, is it Nick Paul? Nick Paul, Ross Colton. Corey Perry's got five goals. I think Max said, like, where did they grow these guys in a lab? Was, uh, Tampa's <laughs> players are going to be the new Mark Donks. Someone's got to do it, right? Uh, yeah. After I, Pittsburgh just paid their Mark Donk like $30 million. I have a hard, yeah. I have a hard time looking at whoever comes out of New York, Carolina and saying they're the favorite against Tampa Bay. I don't care how tired they are. Until Tampa Bay loses, I am now going to do the, they are winning the cup. Yeah. Yeah. It, Colorado would have to, I think, sweep Edmonton for me to have a vote of confidence for them in the in the finals. I don't know. Colorado's... Uh, Lost one game through two rounds if they hold on today. That's 3-1. That's not nothing. It's not nothing, but I don't know, man. They're the kings until dethroned. And they might get to play Mike Smith in the conference finals. So Florida, like you said, they weren't bad every game. They definitely had games where they dominated play. Um, one goal in the power play is pathetic. Or however many. The penalty kill was like 68%. <laughs> I'm not even going to get into it, but just the whole rumors of like a few of the guys uh, going to a strip God. club until like 3 a.m. the night before. They did not play like they went to a strip. No, yet. they played great hockey. Maybe yeah. they did play like they went to the strip club. <laughs> Who am I to judge? That that's a story. If Tampa shoots them 40 to 15 and blows them out like six nothing. No, like I said, Florida ran Tampa's show in Game Four, and Vasilevsky was having none of it. That's all that was. Uh, Rangers and Carolina. Very quickly here. Rangers took the first two at home. The Rangers took their two at home. I don't know what to make. I I understand. I think I understand who the New York Rangers are. Like I think home ice advantage works for them. I think Shesterkin definitely is the key to them going anywhere in these playoffs. Neither of those are you know a hot take. I don't understand the Carolina Hurricanes because I think they are a better team than losing every road game. Oh yeah, what are you talking about? They're very easy to understand. Uh, Six and zero at home. Uh, 0 and 5 on the road. <laughs> That's the thing. Like, I, I think Rod Brennamore said, I was like, I don't know why we're so bad on the road. It doesn't really make sense. Their their lineup is better. You can't really pick of like, it's not like they're doing what Florida's doing where like one or two fastest of their game have fallen off a cliff. Like maybe they are. It's it's just the luck of the draw and they're getting goalied, et cetera, et cetera. It's just Strickland's not an easy goalie to face, but Carolina's, even if you think they're the favorite, they're kind 
of in trouble here. They are not running away with this like you think they should with the the disparity in, in or the perceived disparity in talent. The Rangers could steal this from them, despite the Ranger or the despite the Hurricanes being the favorites going in. The only downside if the Rangers win is that sets up a conference final between Igor Shesterkin and Andre Vasilevsky, and I'm not sure if I'm ready for seven straight one nothing games. That's <laughs> absolutely what you're going to see. I I will say that in that matchup, based on what we've seen in these playoffs, I, I'll take Vasilevsky there. And that's not stated lightly because Shesterkin is the Vesno winner. Could arguably be – you can make a really strong argument for the heart. He probably won't win it, but still. But Vasilevsky is just a freak. Well, he's a heart nominee. He was one of the right- – Nominee, but yeah. I don't think he'll win. No, I don't think so either, but my word. Yeah, it's – Imagine being a heart nominee, Vesna winner, and you you could be the second best goalie in the next round of the playoffs. Not my problem. <laughs> no. No. Uh, yeah, speaking of series that make, makes the fans' hearts pop. That If New York does, which I don't think New York's the favorite to win the next three games, like and win the series, I, I still expect Carolina to wake up. But, man, that could be the most polar opposites of conference finals. You get seven one nothing games potentially between the Rangers and Lightning. And then on the other side, you've got – McKinnon and McCarr and McDavid just flying around the ice at Mach 5 for potentially seven games. (laughs) I don't know what to make these playoffs. All of my predictions are gone. I I can't predict anything for you anymore. That's that. (laughs) We'll see how it rolls out. Yeah, we're saying this and now Carolina is going to win the next two games by a combined score of 15 to nothing and Calgary is going to rattle off three straight wins. (laughs) Okay, folks, uh, a little bit of a long one again. Thank you for bearing with us. We're going to get back firmly in the prospect profile starting next episode and a lot of uh, really exciting interviews and content to come. So stay tuned for that. Um, We're going to jump into overtime, which is brought to you by our Patreon supporters. If you want to help support the Winged Wheel podcast, become a member of the Dub Dub Club, patreon.com slash winged wheel podcast. You are 10% cooler. You will automatically be an inch taller than Brad, despite your height previous. Oh, so it'll be your height. I'll take that. Um, (laughs) There's just, we can't say enough. We don't have the words to tell you how much the support of our patrons means to us. And it it allows us to do everything that we are able to do for the show and beyond and in the growth that we're, we've had. And, you know, you've made us the number one Red Wings podcast on the air and, and that is driven at its heart by our, our patrons. So thank you so very much. Okay. Connor Dukes says goalie prospects are tough to read. Yeah. What are the chances Kosa is our true number one in the future? We picked him 15th overall and traded up to do it. Um, I don't say this lightly, but he better be. He has to be for that draft stock. He must be. Yeah. The chances are good. You see the raw talent in him. You see, you've seen him have like, re- especially for stretches of the season, really great play really great hockey in net he needs to keep progressing goalies aren't you know we say goalies are voodoo and that that doesn't mean that they don't have a development path or things that they need that they need to improve in their game i think half of that statement is people just don't understand goalies um chances are good as good as you can as they can be for a goalie at this stage you can look at goalies who are drafted higher and i think you you have just the same amount of uncertainty it's it's hard to have a goalie who comes in and does like a mcdavid or a crosby or an ovechkin type thing so Chances are good, but it's still a massive, massive risk. Yeah, he's still very raw, despite how good he is. He's got a lot of refining to do in his game, but it was always an interesting pick to me because, you know, not to relate everything back to football, but it was, it was very similar to what the Bills did with Josh Allen. It's like, hey, this is the physical freak who has 
all the tools. We just need to mold him into what he needs to be. And it worked. That's what the Red Wings are doing with Kosa. They have the physical freak who has all the tools and the right mentality. We just need to mold him into like to refine everything. So, so far, so good, but there's, there's still, he's still a few years away. You, yeah, there needs to be patience. And the good news is Nedeljkovic is 26. There's so much runway where yeah, it's not like left-handed defensemen where the Red Wings need help now. And we actually have to hope that Johansson makes the Red Wings. Um, okay. Steve Elon says, we're still a bit from competing, but when do we start going after the big fish in free agency? Would you say Eisman being an intimidating GM could scare some players away or attract those seeing his passion for winning? In terms of being a big fish, I think there's different arguments to be had here. I'd say we're still a couple years away from seeing that from Eisman. In terms of being an intimidating GM, I, I don't get that perception at all. GM is different than coach. And people see that he was a large part, if not the main architect of a now two-time verging on third cup winning team in Tampa Bay. They're going to want to be a part of that in Detroit. Here's the way I'll phrase it as best I can. Look at all the good teams in the NHL. The really good teams. Pick whatever one you want. Edmonton, Colorado, Calgary, Carolina, Rangers, to use the teams that are still left. Most of their core of the good team is homegrown, drafted and developed. Colorado, you look at McKinnon, Rantanen, Landeskog. Carolina, you have Aho, Slavin, Pesci, um, obviously Edmonton, McDavid, Dreisaitl, etc. When you realize your core is starting to get good, good enough to make the playoffs, then you supplement that core by adding in free agency. Then free agency should not be the centerpiece of your team. If you do that, you're probably not going to win. But if you are in the position that the New York Rangers are where, you know, hypothetically you have Shisterkin coming up and they're starting to be a good team. And it's like, okay, now we're going to get a Panarin to put this team over the top, hypothetically. Something like that, that's what you do. When the foundation is put in place and you go, yep, we can win with this. Okay, now we need to improve upon this. Breaking news in the middle of the podcast. Max Boltman has uh, announced that, sorry, tweeted out that um, Dylan Larkin has switched representatives to Matt Williams, Pat Brisson, and the CAA. So Larkin is eligible for his extension starting July 1st and has switched his agency. So gearing up for that contract. Brisson's uh, a big hitter. That's an interesting decision. He's a big hitter. That's an interesting Steve might not be happy about this. If you listen closely, I can hear the Brinks truck backing up. (laughs) Yeah. I don't think Steve would be happy. I don't think I don't think Steve's capable of being happy, if I'm being honest. Not with agents. Yeah. <laughs> he probably hates them. I think we, we've had a little bit of insight into how the negotiations work in the past. And it's not the same for every player. So for someone high profile like Larkin, Steve might actually be in the room. But I know a lot of like the legwork is done by the assistant GM. But then again, Verbeek's gone now, right? So I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll fill in. Don't worry. Well, now that you're off the coaching list. $5, Bob. The best I can do. Five, my God. And a Coney dog. He can only afford to say that because he's a billionaire. It's like when I run for president, I won't take a salary. It's like, yeah, because you're a billionaire, of course. Yeah, is he just, you know, insider trading all day? Um, The next question from Stevie Lund is, what was your favorite slash most memorable vacation that you've had? Uh, I loved Scotland when I went and I can't wait to go back. 
I've always said if I ever just give up on the world, I'm going to get a... Hey, if you get good at golf, we can go. Play St. Andrews, the old course. What do you mean if I get good at golf? I just told you I shot a 70. I, I stand... By- no, you need... You can't have over, I think, a 26 handicap and they won't let you play old course. So, that's not too many shots. I just have to shave like 30 shots off my game or something like that. Oh, yeah. At least. At least. Favorite vacation you've ever had? I don't know. I'm a poor, so I've only been on like three... <laughs> You went to Toronto once. Yeah, that's awful. <laughs> you went to Cambridge. It took me it took me three Ontario. hours. Ontario. Yeah, last time I went to Toronto, it took me three hours and I'm 85 kilometers away. God, I hate that city. Um Mayan Riviera in Mexico was really fun. Oh, cool. That was a hell of a week. That we did we did a lot of stuff in a very short amount of time, like the off-roading ATV, the cave diving, all that stuff. That was a good one. Oh, you're actually when you go to those places, you do it properly. I never do excursions because I'm just like, I just want to float in the water. You all do whatever. I just want to float. That was, the, la- that was the last two days of I'm drinking on the beach and not moving. I'm very tired. If I'm not golfing on those trips, I'm literally just polluting my body. Yeah. <laughs> amazing. Um, and then Mine's Jackson Hole. Of course fake. it is. It's fake. fake that vacation. actually is not my favorite vacation, but I wanted to just say that. Sivulon uh, finishes by saying, thanks, guys. Uh, give extra hugs to your loved ones today. We didn't mention anything, but um, it goes without saying that our hearts are broken and uh, go out to the the victims and the families in Uvalde, uh, Texas. Um, tragedy isn't even a strong enough word to talk about that. But yeah, hug your loved one. Hug your loved ones. Uh, Matt T says, how do you feel about the Wings players uh, f- and how they're faring at the Worlds? Well, very quickly here, Mo Sider has a goal and five assists. Pew Suter has three goals and five assists. So, And uh, Magnus Helberg has four wins and a shutout. So those are probably leading the charge for the Red Wings. Uh, elsewhere, Verona has a goal and Philip Peronik's like a plus one. I think that's the only thing the Red Wings noted. And Riley Barber has a goal and is a plus two. So it's the Sider show. It's the Pew Suter show. And Helberg seems to be doing well. So cool. Neat. Yep. Um, do you see Tatar hugging Franz Nielsen? Because I think Franz Nielsen's like, yeah, he's retiring. He's, he's done. Yeah, that was cool. That was fun. Yeah. Everybody in that tournament is very hungover for most games. Yes. It seems like it. <laughs> okay. Um, what else do we have here? Brad Stepstool says, which name do you le- want to hear least uh when the Red Wings step up to the podium in Montreal and why? Who oh, looks- I am not reverse jinxing that into existence. Nope, can't make me. Yeah, I think you did it last time. No, no, you didn't, but... No, I, d- I did it with the Rasmussen draft. I'm not doing it again. Right. Who will take more effort for you to personally root for? I think I speak for all of us when we personally root for whoever is called. Yeah. But who? Uh, let's change the question. Who would take more effort for you to come around on? Mine would be... It's a cheap answer, but mine would be geeky. Damn it, that was mine. It's all of ours because we are so scared when, like, one of the first things out of a mouth is, oh, he's big. Like, that's my, I don't ever, if you have to justify picking a guy in the top 10 because he's big and that's one of his main attributes, you shouldn't pick him in the top 10. Congrats, he was born that way. Yeah. Um, He's not my biggest fear at eight for whatever that's worth. Um. Because there is actual talent there, but for the record, yeah, no, I always have a soft spot for the soft spot for the small skill guys. So like a Savoy and Nazer, like I love, love, love guys like that because they tend to beat the odds more often than they don't. This might sound crazy, but I'm a little scared if we take Brad Lambert. No, oh, there's a massive risk, colossally low floor with Lambert. Like he he hasn't been producing, and in, in that's why I think it's it's potentially scary because you're drafting him to be a centerman. 
and he's not really producing in leagues that are significantly worse than the NHL when his peers are doing substantially better. So yeah, you'd have to make a really strong case. And I'm not saying it doesn't exist, but you'd have to make a strong case for him at eight. If you would have told 2021 Evan that you were, I was scared to draft Brad Lambert, you'd yeah. say, I'm out of my goddamn mind. <laughs> I know. And the same thing happens every year where a guy like drops off a cliff. Sometimes it's for good reason. And sometimes teams get a gem in the second round, like the Islanders did with, um, oh, what's his name? Bodie Wild? No. Atu Ratu. Atu Ratu, yeah. Yeah, which seems to be going well for them so far. Okay, folks, this is Run Long. We're going to wrap up and record our Patreon-exclusive OT. I'd like to thank all of our listeners, our name-level sponsors, Arjun Shanker, Eves Bartels, on behalf of the Sarah Grant Foundation, uh, Bettman, should lose his job based on the Yotes, changed my mind, Brandon M., Chimmy, Chumbawamba, not Chumbawamba, Citizen High Five, Coyote Season Tickets in Tempe, Craig Kibble, Daniel Garcia, Derek Enstam, DJ Denton, Doesn't Tuesnit, Give it, Give Blood Fight Probert, Greech, Hanali, Hassam al Qasem, I Leave My Wife for Cider, Jay Gollum, Jacob Turner, Justin in the Angry Mob, Kaylin Wood, King Tone, Kyle Hashman, Marcus, Matt McKay, Matthew M. Rice, Nicholas Fritz, Nick Perks, R.A., Ryan Hubbard, Scott Martin, Sean Levine, Stay Fresh Cheese Bags, Stay Fresh Cheese Bags, uh, Zach Spring, Adam Now I Finish Better Than Ernie, Antonio Gracias, Babe Landiscog, Ben Barron, Carl Bertan and Aluski, Connor Leighton, Dave W., Evans Parking Garage, Evans Bingo Card, James Laporte, Jeremiah Dobo, Jeremy Brocker, J.M. Rhapsody, John Evans, Josh Yelton, uh, Kevin McCracken, Quaz, Matt Keeler, Matt S., Maximilian Cheesebags, Missing Vladdy More Than Ever, Papa Woody, Puck Norris, Reed, Revy DeLuca, Sam Bankson, The Stay Fresh Cheese Bag, The Pod is Full of Brad Takes, Trevor Pevavar, Zach Handyside, and Zach McCann, a driving range superstar. Thank you all so much, and we will be back with you on Sunday. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna. WWP and at Hockey Town Evan.